Welcome to the Roaring Elephant Podcast. And here is my perfectly shielded from all harm co-host, Jon. We should rehearse these things so I can have a response ready because well, thinking about no, just a, not happening. Having in mind what we're going to be talking about, I have no idea where that came from. And Shoot. you will soon all will become clear. Oh, this is one and of these I, episodes I've, where we find far-fetched uh, alliterations from uh, from Dave. Exactly, and uh, so let's let's jump straight into it so I can unbamboozle Yon as quickly as possible. Oh, be uh, first. So first up, we're talking about Microsoft pledging to store European cloud data in the EU. Wowee. On the sort of the initial outset of this, it doesn't sound like big news. In fact, it sounds like, well, of course, you know, you deploy an EU cluster, surely all your data's within the EU. Surely that's just how these things work. But uh, I know, Jan, you've spent some time at said cloud giant in your previous lives. Um, that's not exactly how it all works, is it? Um, well, it all depends on the definition of cloud data in this case, because cloud data can mean a lot of things. If it's just the data that me, Mr. Consumer, have uploaded to the cloud and put in the cloud, then I guess technically they can guarantee it's not going to move anywhere. The thing is, data creates data. Data creates logs. Logs contain parts of your data. Data insights. If a support engineer needs to look at your stuff and does a screen share, that video data moves across the internet. So it's going to be interesting how they're going to do that. Um, a lot of SaaS companies, for example, have the problem that they don't have support people 24-7 in every part of the world. They do the around-the-clock thing. When sun sets in Europe, they move the case onto the Americas. And typically, your data, your stuff that's linked, that's listed in the case, in the case uh, structure, whatever, you've shared stuff about your data for the cloud providers. That is your data, and does that mean that they, that Microsoft now has a full twenty four seven support in Europe or not? The article doesn't go into the, into the, any depth of that into any, any depth on that point either. So, I guess yeah. But to be honest, the first thing I read uh, thought when I read this was, but wasn't this already the case? Well, as I as I understand it from talking to. Um, a number of cloud providers over the last few years, most of them have exactly as you say, like the the data you I don't know upload to an S3 bucket or something like that. That obviously lives in that region, but that doesn't mean that underlying systems, you know, wouldn't transmit your data through a different route or if you're moving it from one location to another, it doesn't necessarily mean that data would your, your information would take the, in your mind, most natural path. There is no reason why it might not bounce through some other geopolitical region before it reached the final destination. So I think there's there's the the metadata component that you were talking about. There's the 
support engineers and other associated people that will view your data and metadata angle to it. And then there's also just the underlying workings of any individual public cloud provider. In a lot of cases, they're so um, they're so interconnected. I think we like to think of these things as individual, um, you know, individual separate environments that are completely isolated. But the the truth, you know, is is that couldn't be further from that. They're actually huge interconnected meshes of all sorts of related uh, systems and information. And you see this usually exposed when things go wrong. And there's various cascading effects yep. that the you see the, the blast radius of something happening in one particular, maybe small subzone or region, and it just ripples out and out and out until it hopefully is contained in some way, shape, or form. And uh, the reason that uh, I, I nominated you as being perfectly shielded is that you didn't suffer uh, when the, and I'm quoting from the article, the European Court of Justice struck down the EU-US privacy shield, <laughs> which sounds like something that might have happened in Star Wars, but apparently didn't. Apparently, it was just a framework allowing firms to transfer personal data from the US in compliance with Brussels GDPR. So, yeah, yeah. far yeah. less exciting. I mean, the, the, the most important thing about that treaty is the fact that it's named completely opposite to what it does. Because instead of uh, enforcing privacy, it actually allowed <laughs> private data to move to the other side. So it was the anti-privacy yeah. stuff, but I guess that didn't sound well enough for the lobbyists. Uh, but it's a fact that that has gone away. So basically, at this moment in time, there is no... On the one hand, US, I think, still requires all American companies to cough up any data they ask for, regardless where it's stored. And Europe says they're not allowed to do that. So any company doing anything transatlantic, by definition, needs to break a law on one end or the other. There's no way around it. This is an interesting way the, the world works, I guess. Yeah, I I just I find this we we spent a little bit of time uh looking for articles and <laughs> when I found this one um we then actually we looked for a few more examples of this and they they all look practically identical which has me very concerned that this seems to be a very um very, I don't know, broad brush, high level sort of, oh, this is what we're going to do kind of statement. I could not find any detail about exactly what these changes are, how they're being implemented. Um, I think you can say part of this is that it's the mystique of the cloud provider, but it doesn't really inspire a lot of trust. I don't know what you think on that. Uh, it's, it's here. It's specifically here. In other words, we will not need to move your data outside the EU. And the most important word in the sentence, need. Mm. Remove that word. Is the sentence still correct? <laughs> well, remove the two as well to make it syntactically correct then. I mean, I, why did they put yeah. the need in there? Yeah. If they won't, they won't. But they can't say that because 
it's just much more complicated than that. And when you do stuff like this, obviously, there's going to be compliance organizations, uh, the Deloitte's of the world and stuff like that, who will need to get checkboxes filled. And that's impossible because the moment you go into a SaaS solution, I mean, the only reason that cloud works is to the economies of scale because they have so much hardware that they can kind of pull stuff together in a more economical way so that you with your little data center, you can't compete there. Cloud is huge. I mean, there's no question about that. They're huge. But still, to make these economies of scale work, they need to be huge. So the only way that this could actually work is if a cloud company, and this article is about Microsoft, but I'm pretty sure the AWS, GCP, IBMs, uh, Oracle Clouds, whatever, they're dealing with the same stuff, right? So the only way that this can actually work is if the economy of scale works on the uh, geo-limited location. That within Europe, there's enough cloud infrastructure to have those same benefits and you don't need to go outside it anymore. I would say we actually are going that way because all of the cloud providers are opening more data centers all the time, more locations. I mean, when I started Microsoft, there was only one data center in Western Europe. Go five years, ten years later, we now have two data centers in every country in Europe. I'm exaggerating, but basically that's where they're going to because these geopolitical lines get smaller all the time because now we're talking it needs to be in Europe. Okay, next step, this needs to be in my country. Next step, it needs to be mm. in my city. It gets smaller all the time. And the only reason you get there is if you have more data centers out there to be able to do high availability, disaster recovery within that geopolitical zone. I know for Azure, for instance, a long time, there was a Amsterdam data center and there was a Ireland data center to give you data recovery. Now with Brexit, is the Ireland still considered in Europe or not? It's in Dublin, so it should be. But again, it gets harder. So what happened? There was a new data center open in Frankfurt, Germany. So now a lot of people do Amsterdam, Frankfurt, and that, I mean, if those are no longer in the EU, I don't think it's going to be EU anymore. <laughs> but so it does start to work that way. But for the SaaS services, the things that have to deliver 99.99999% uptimes, you kind of need to go broader than that. And if you look at things like uh, for Microsoft, the Cosmos DBs, the, 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 the SQL server, uh, the SQL servers as a service, those things are built to be able to geographically redundant on a very large scale. Removing these things actually reduces the functionality of the, of the tool itself. And then the question for me as an end user becomes, what do I prefer, that my data gets lost or it temporarily gets moved to the U.S. for safekeeping? Mm. And for some organizations, there's a requirement that you should never lose data and a requirement that you can't copy to somewhere else. These things start fighting all the time. Yeah. So the, the only shred of information I've been able to found, find is... Um, on Microsoft's official blog, there is a, uh, a, an up, a blog article released today uh, as we record, which is uh, 4th of May, around the EU data boundary. And it, the only thing that it really mentions that gives you any indication is that um, they, they acknowledge they've already begun the engineering work um, so I, I cannot see an actual, or I haven't seen an actual timeline for when they say they're actually going to complete it, but it says, yeah, that's the article. But it says, um, this plan includes any personal data in 
in diagnostic data and service generated data, which is the sort of the metadata that you mm -hmm. kind of That's called out earlier. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and no, this plan does include, so it does include yes. personal data in diagnostic data and service generated data and personal data we use to provide technical support. We will also extend controls such as lockbox and customer managed encryption for customer data across Microsoft core cloud services. So it's again, it's very, it's still very vague in my, in my mind. And they also acknowledge the fact that they, they say they are going to do this, mm -hmm. um, but there's no, you know, there's no real, um, you know, concrete timeline on it. They just say that they are going to do it. And yeah, Jan's also found the, uh, the fact that the, one of the, um, sort of bits of legislation or whatever that's being talked about is actually not, uh, not finalized yet. So they're saying, well, until that's finalized, we're not going to uh, say whether or not we're going to be compliant with it. Yeah, for people who aren't watching us on YouTube, that piece of compliance regulation that I've looked at is the Gaia X uh, movement project, what are going to call it? Just basically the EU saying we need a public cloud inside Europe, so no, we're no longer dependent on uh, Google, Amazon, Microsoft. But what Gaia X does not do is create a cloud. It doesn't include any hardware, any software. It's more of a these are things that should happen, and actually. This makes me understand the blog from Microsoft a bit more because obviously since the Gaia X thing doesn't contain any hardware software, but it does contain budget, it's you should expect that the big cloud providers will just go to the EU, knock on the door and say, well, if you give us a bit of budget, we can provide the infrastructure for you yeah, according to these things, to these Here's my Gaia X compliance solution. Deploy exactly. all of your Gaia X workloads on this cloud yep. it's a 10% uplift over our standard pricing or whatever it might be and if it's Gaia X compliant even though it's not finalized yet those are actually quite strict regulations a bit like GDPR is also quite strict enforcement is always a second part of the equation of course we'll see how that works but if the the goal for Microsoft is to have Azure or at least it's going to be a subcomponent of Azure because it's going to have to be strict pretty harshly isolated from the rest of the world mm. then I can see why they're doing this and for me, this now becomes a lobbying exercise from Microsoft on part uh, on the part of Microsoft at the EU to get this Gaia stuff uh, locked in early, make everybody at the EU think Gaia X equals uh, Microsoft. So I'm wondering now in the yeah. next couple of weeks how AWS uh, will respond to this. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> I don't think Google will respond to this because Google Cloud is simply too small. They have not enough data centers to be able to do a lot of the stuff, I think. I don't know. I don't work there. But just comparing the three clouds, Google is still very small. They're huge, but very small compared to the behemoths. That's, uh, that's Amazon and uh, Microsoft's also creeping up in the, the, the sizing there. Don't think Google will be able to do this. But still, since it's a governmental thing, it's going to be another decade before X ever becomes a reality, which also kind of explains the lack of timelines, I guess, in this whole <laughs> announcement from yeah. Microsoft. I yeah. think we've been duped. We've been caught out by marketing again. I think you could be right. Uh, <laughs> but most of all, I'm just depressed that the, there's there's no mention of lightsabers. Like when you when you destroy the privacy shield or whatever it was, you know, there should have been a huge explosion. 
and uh, I, I didn't see any evidence of that, so very disappointing. Pretty sure the code for the shield was one, two, three, four. <laughs> <laughs> for those who didn't get no, that, it's baseball. Was, one, two, three, four, star. <laughs> <laughs> very secure. Oh, dear. Okay, anyway, so, yeah, I, Great. It, it's, it's happened, uh, as you say, like we will probably see a series of articles over the next couple of weeks, I guess, from AWS and and maybe maybe we'll even see a bit more data from Microsoft, but I doubt it. So I think this is their initial salvo and uh, they'll just they'll see how this is received before they go into sharing anything else. Good for them to getting the first salvo in first. Uh, mm. the first in there, but um, I mean, that is also the fact, I think, even in my customer uh, base, Azure becomes more and more a hot topic because of the compliance regulation adherence that they have here in Europe. Mm. It's typically the reason that most of the financial, public sector, uh, even education market are looking at Azure more and more. And the first, uh, it's called the first common advantage that Amazon had is mm. uh, pretty much starting to erode here. So. Apart from this particular thing, I'm actually expecting Amazon to do something somewhere to get on, I'm not going to say the bandwagon, it's a good thing, these compliance things, but also mm. get some compliance, or at least have the image or the marketing around it to make it better positioned for themselves, because I think they're starting to hurt on that part. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Okay, well, let's move on to our second topic of the day, which is, thankfully... And delightedly, open source AI stack is ready for the moment. Uh, the thing that you've been waiting for all of this time, Jan, finally there's a, a stack, one AI stack to rule them all. You don't need to worry about any new innovations. You just deploy the stack and you run ai.exe and uh and 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 you have ai it, that's i think that's how it works and then and then 5 minutes after cyber soldiers kick down your doors and you're dead is that is that is that how it works um probably just a moment somebody's at the door <laughs> <laughs> now first of apologies for people looking at youtube i am trying to show the website but uh, people at venturebeat do something with your uh, privacy cookie notice thing here because I'm using Chromium, as any right-minded people would, and there is no way of getting rid of this thing and it actually blocks the JavaScript on the entire page, so I can't even show that. Works that on being Firefox said, is all I'm going to say. Works anyway. on Edge as well. Uh, it's only about Chromium, apparently it doesn't work. I haven't checked Chrome itself because I'm kind of trying to stay away from that. But anyway, it should work everywhere, the end. Uh, but this is the AI stack I've been waiting for all this time. Um, well, no. Um, stacks are good. I mean, in the article, they actually start with referencing the LAMP stack. as Linux, Apache, uh, MySQL, and was it PHP or Python, depending on your uh, flavor of the month? I mean, that was a stack basically that gave you from nothing to a framework that could do everything. Makes sense. Looking at the stack that they're building here, First of all, that there was a page somewhere that had them all listed, and I can't find it right now, but it doesn't matter. Oh, there it is, the AI. Okay, you say this, you love this term. 
God. So it's the... Uh, let's make sure I've got this. So it's the AI Infrastructure Alliance, or the AIAIAIAIA. <laughs> I mean, it's just... <laughs> uh, At least their website works. Yes, their website works, although it's quite ugly. And actually, Sorry, it's the AIAIAML. It's the AIAIAML. Yeah, AIAIAML. You should oh, make an acronym for that. Uh, but anyway, looking um, at the members here. So uh, let's just before we before we dive into the members, if if you think about the the concept that they start off with is, hey, remember the lamp stack? As you said, Linux, Apache, MySQL, PHP, and remember how great that was. Now let's do that for AI, and and life will be great again, and for. People that are uh, unfamiliar with the LAMP stack, the the latest and greatest is apparently the mean stack, which is Mongo, uh, ExpressJS, AngularJS, and Node.js, for, for whatever that's worth. Doesn't make sense but, at all. Anyway, <laughs> but the one of the reasons, again, in my in my opinion, uh, which is obviously deeply flawed, but in my opinion, one of the reasons that LAMP stack was so popular and so prevalent back in the day is because it was it was simple it was those four things you deployed those four things you then had a framework you could build on like it it was just run these four things there was usually a you know a, a script <coughs> or a, a script or a uh uh, you know, a set of commands you could run to install these tools and set them up and configure them so they would talk to each other. And away you went. Your your development uh, could begin afresh. And it was the simplicity of those, just install these four things and away you go. Mm. Now, if we look at the uh, AI Infrastructure Alliance and we look at the partners page that uh, Jan, for those of you following along on YouTube, has up on the screen, there are just pages of, or well, one very, very long page of all of the um, partners that are part of this. And this, to me, just looks like a giant, like, grab bag, melting pot of different organizations some of which I recognize some of which I don't uh, some of which I recognize for the wrong reasons and and <laughs> I have no idea how all of these people will come together and deliver a a stack that someone can like look at their problem and go oh I need the I mean, there's an entire alphabet soup of companies here. So I, I need the components F, J, and W, and then uh, and maybe a bit of X, and then I'm I'm good to go. I can just install these and and yeah, begin but my to make the choice AI to feed the purpose of the stack. I just I don't understand it. I don't understand. I understand the mission statement. I understand what they're trying to achieve, but I. All of these companies, all of these organizations have their own 
view of this or have their own component of of a potential stack but there are i mean i don't know how even how there are 30 of these organizations maybe more i i don't understand how you can build a simple easy to consume just like the lamp stack for but for ai out of 30 simple, different simple. components just sign here and give me your credit card number <laughs> Oh, so you're saying it's just a giant pyramid scheme? <laughs> uh, pretty much, yeah. Because there's a couple of big differences with the lamp stack. Lamp, st lamp stack, I can't even say it. The main one is the lamp stack was not proposed and then deployed or implemented. No, the lamp stack cre was created because people recognized that people were using these couple of components to <clears> build <throat> a lot of stuff. Yeah. And then it got formalized in, okay, if you want to do the same thing and not have all of the, the thinking work for it, well, this is how other people have done this, and that's how the LAMP stack originated. Nobody ever said, let's create Linux, let's create Apache, let's create MySQL, and let's create PHP, and then make that a stack. No, these things were deployed that often together and were able to do a lot of things that it became a stack. And very importantly, in the LAMP, None of these components did what any of the other components does. Linux had the OS, Apache had the web front-end, MySQL had your storage layer, PHP had your scripting, or, or Python had your scripting programming component setup. And if you look at this AIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIIII
project or whatever it is you're looking to try and achieve. But I, I, I agree. Like it's, it's disingenuous to think of this or position this as, as a relatively simple stack of, of technologies. And the, the, the one thing that gives me any hope that this, you know, might actually amount to something vaguely useful is the fact that they, they do talk about the fact that, um, something that they're trying to do as part of their mission statement is to create, um, reference architectures and, uh, technical projects that show how you can glue different, you know, these different components together to deliver a particular solution. Like these are, these are maybe, maybe if that's done really well, and if it's generic enough to be sort of useful and I can see the cynicism dripping <laughs> off of Jon's, uh, uh, Jon's face, but I, if, Maybe if they can execute really well on that, there's a chance for this. But it still would not be a stack. And they are, it's just being positioned, in my mind, all very, very wrong. Yeah, because even comparing to the Hadoop world, it's, it's not, it doesn't work because you didn't never have a Hadoop stack. You had the Hortonworks stack, you had the Cloudera stack, you had the MapR stack, who picked for you a functional components to do something in the stack. And the different stacks had different components. You had uh, Rangers versus Sentry, uh, you had Spot versus Metron, you had uh, Yarn versus Not Yarn. There was no alternative there. So again, if I chose there to go for the MapR stack or the Cloudera stack, I the choices were made for me and I got a stack that interoperated correctly, similar for the Hortonworks stack. Right. I, I, I would challenge that a little bit because i think you're talking about the difference between a stack and a distribution and i think the stack is true, all of true. the individual components like that the entire yeah hadoop apache yeah, 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 yeah. ecosystem of stuff i would say that's a stack yeah now some of those are common across multiple distributions some of them are just in one distribution some of them are in no distributions but i would i would say the the stack is all of the different technologies in that ecosystem. The distribution yeah. is a curated set of those projects or technologies that are curated and customized and often tweaked in such a way that they work together in a mm -hmm. hopefully somewhat more seamless way. I think that's the other part of this story that I see nothing about so far, which is that this is all about a, the quote unquote stack, but there's no real mention of how they're going to handle kind of interoperability between these technologies, how they're going to make sure that, you know, if one of these things is updated, the other one won't explode in a giant ball of flames. Like it, it's, uh, I, I hate being down on, on, on <laughs> some of these things because I like the idea behind it. I like the idea, the concept of kind of pulling together best of breed technologies, like sorting through some of the the detritus and and sort of some of the stuff that maybe is is less less effective or less efficient, and saying these are the top, you know, maybe it is thirty kind of projects in the AI space and ML space. 
you know you these are some sample ways you can bolt them together and and kind of get your your answers or your results nice and quickly for all of this different range of use cases i think that's a a laudable wonderful thing to try and aim for but i don't see any real evidence that this is going to be the answer no it's never going to happen either i mean the reason i mentioned the distribution from hadoop was more of the the lamp stack made it easy because choice was eliminated hadoop was so complex that the distributions kind of fulfilled that role in that decision making potentially but yeah the different things now for this this will never be a stack because contrary from the lamp stack that was technologies that were grouped together this is a group of companies that group together yes and every company yes. has its own agenda and yes. basically they all want to make money nothing wrong with that no. but if you then talk about standard architectures and reference architectures things like that well assuming that each of these companies comes up with a reference architecture guess which component is going to be central i mean how else could yeah. it ever be the moment that you have comp companies doing this you get a consortium which can make agreements that they will use JSON as a interchange mechanism, whatever. Things like that might be possible, but it's never going to be much further than that. And I, if there's one technology in the world that isn't suited for a stack today, I'd say it's AI, because it's still in so much flux. If they were saying, if they were going to say machine learning stack, I would have agreed more to it, but that already exists. That's already out there with your scikit-learns and your uh, pandas and numpies and things like that. That's already there. But this is AI. And, well, uh, I didn't go to the front door because AI doesn't exist yet. We're still trying to figure that out. And there's a lot of movement happening there. And now going with a stack that is this convoluted, no way this is going to end up in anything useful. Again, except having perhaps a seal of approval. Yep. kind of functionality well there we go down on the stacks <sighs> yeah and i guess with this uh, very disappointing news unless you have anything else to add nothing else for me then that is all the time you have for today you can support this stack of a podcast by becoming a patron that's part of the stack every contribution helps we're on youtube next levels of the stack you can subscribe notification bells there comment all youtube stuff you can even go to our website Part of the stack, www.roaringelephant.org. There's a link there to the other members of the stack and more information about the podcast. You can follow me on Twitter, that's the final piece of the stack, at Roar, uh, the Roaring Elephant tag. And of course, you can still send mail to podcast at roaringelephant.org, but email can't really be part of the stack, so let's not do that. Until, until next time, my name is Unstackable Jon. And my name is Top of the Stack Dave. <laughs> you have to go there. We look forward to talking to you again next week. Goodbye. See you then.